Welcome to Pardon the Confusion. My name is Paul Arnold. I'm joined by Ernest Watts, and we're not pardon my take. We're not pardon the interruption. We're pardon the confusion because at our age, confusion just is part of the mix. And Ernest, my opening there's question. A, there's, another, there's another pardon we're not. What's You've that? Got the other part. Pardon, pardon my friend. Do you have, no, no. Pardon. Do you have any gray poupon? <laughs> Wow, that that's an old commercial. Old folks. Okay. Yeah, it is. Right. Yeah, look it up on YouTube. No, I had a question for you. Um, it's we are officially, as far as I'm concerned, in the summer. And whether you realized it or not, I was trying to keep quiet before we started recording. I was eating some of Jenny's ice cream, Brambleberry Crisp, and it was really good. Even though I know now it's the sweetest thing ever come out of Columbus, Ohio. Bum bum bum. So, what is your favorite ice cream flavor? Uh, I love Rocky Road, and not just the parody song by Al uh, Yankovic. Uh, I love Rocky Road. I but really not everybody do. knows what Rocky Road is. Tell them what it is. It's uh, Rocky Road is chocolate ice cream with bits of peanut butter and chocolate chips and nuts in it. It's a party in your mouth, so to speak. Wow. And everyone can find it. It's fascinating you said ice cream because I went to visit my three-year-old grandson I had to drop off some stuff where he lives, and we went by for lunch with with him and my daughter-in-law and my other grandson. And we had finished eating at a barbecue place. As we came out, my grandson pointed to the ice cream place, and he's three now. He says, there's the ice cream place. And she said, yes. And she always says, I need ice cream. <laughs> and she said, well, we can't, you know, you didn't eat all your no you don't understand mama i need ice cream <laughs> and papa needs ice cream too and i said well i can't argue with that i'm sorry i love ice cream <laughs> that's a smart work. boy already he's, he's oh yeah he's already, I've already figured it out he knows how to manipulate me and his well yeah he's he's already pretty slick in that respect i would so. say to his parents kids learn from the behavior they see so i'm just saying he might have seen it before that's Hey, yeah, it might be from grandfather or father. Yes, I think which. so. Hey, there's so much sports to talk about. We've had a two-week hiatus. I've had some crazy work hours. A nurse has just been having fun at the pool and um, and working, too. So, NBA, Ernest, come on. This is crazy. You start off with Golden State, who we've picked all along to be in the finals. They look right. like they're rolling. They have an unbelievable first quarter, first half from Stephen Curry. And what the heck? They lose the game? Tell yeah, me how many why. people went to, how many people went to bed that night? Oh, a lot. Just and, and thought, well, Warriors won. I mean, you had a forty to sixteen run in the fourth period. They could not miss a three pointer. I mean, this is a talented team. You know, it's, it's kind of like the Braves last year. They had a losing record halfway through the season. I mean, they were under five hundred in January. And uh, Emilio Doka, who's the coach, who most people could not tell you who the the Celtics coach is who came from that coaching tree from down in San Antonio. He's one of pops lieutenants. I actually remember when he used to play for the Spurs and you've got a, you got a forward combination of, 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 of Brown and Tatum and the whole team. I mean, Marcus smart is hitting three pointers and he's the last person in the world. You would think now Al Horford is just sitting out there on the outside doing you know, he had the record before this series. He had played the most playoff games without being in a final. I think finally getting his chance. A lot of people don't remember he was part of a back-to-back uh, -back championship for Florida. Uh, back there with uh, 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 
Noah and all that crowd that won two NCAA championships together. So he's kind of a war horse. This is his second time in Boston. He went and tried to resurrect something in Philadelphia last year. And this is a team that, you know, a lot of people complained at the construction of it because they had hoarded all these draft picks for all these years. And they kind of ran the general manager off, Danny Ainge, who's now the general manager of the president of the Utah Jazz, who just got rid of their coach. And you had the old Butler coach slip from coach into the general manager. It seems like all these parts are starting to fit together. Uh, Brown and Tatum are great forward setup. They got interchangeable. They got Williams coming in who's kind of the Ben Wallace. Am I going too far back to use Ben Wallace's name? No, no, that's right. Okay, he's kind of the Ben Wallace because he's only 6'8 or 6'9, but can block everything. And it just seems like everybody stepped up in that fourth quarter. It's it's kind of like, you know, Thompson to me is not fully back to what he was before the, the double knee injuries. I mean, he, he has hot streaks. But... Uh, it, Again, this is going to be a closer series. Do I think it's going to be a sweep? No, I think Golden State will come back tonight. I think it's going to be a series for the long haul. That's a veteran group. You know, it, the big weakness the Warriors have had all year is interior size. You get big guys inside like Williams can do, but again, he's he's limited how many minutes you can do, and they have an opportunity to, to win a game. But they can go on the road and get – I mean, they get hot, they get hot. And it depends on what Thompson's going to do. Uh, if, 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 if Green can not get up technicals. <laughs> and uh, let me see, there's old Michigan star playing pretty good for the Warriors this year. Yeah, Jordan Poole. That, yeah, now when Poole left Michigan, did you think he'd be this good an NBA player? Mm, we knew he could be good because he wasn't afraid to take the big shot. And he had explosiveness. But he was still have some baby fat when he was with Michigan because he was like 18, 19, and then he went straight pro. Uh, I didn't. I think it's the right guy in the right system. I think that is perfect system for him, and he's about to make a big paycheck right now. He's getting peanuts for NBA. Um, but I was. You talked about how the changes in Celtics have brought this about. Did Stevens? Did Brad Stevens force Danny Ainge out? Was that the story? No, I think Ainge had an opportunity that he, you know, all right, let me put it in terms you may understand. You know how preachers, after a period of time, your sermons pretty much get ignored? I mean, you've, you've done all you can do. Are you familiar with this concept? I am, but I think it, it could be applied to different areas, too. But okay, just, if you good. want to make a preacher, go ahead. Okay, general managers are the same thing. Coaches are also. I think there's a period of time when what you're saying loses its value there's its newness to it it's, its uniqueness to it and it starts getting drummed out of the ears over a period of time people just don't listen and i think that's what happened with danny ainge all these guys who are starring were all drafted by danny ainge or traded for or except for horford that that was something somebody brought back but he was at one time signed by Danny Ainge. So this is Danny Ainge's team. Brad Stevens is going to get a lot of publicity and a lot of people, boy. It's the same thing with uh, Udoka. Udoka's pretty much carrying out the same thing Stevens had. This is Stevens' team that he's coaching. This is, you know, this is Danny Ainge's team that, that he 
constructed, except for well, Pritchard was there last year. So you know, it's I, I think Ainge just kind of moved out. I mean, it, it's he he kind of lost his voice. People criticized him for hoarding draft picks. And because he didn't get that singular star, which he really didn't need to, drafting. I mean, you look at the the steal he did uh, when he coaxed a draft pick, the number two draft pick, out of Philadelphia. Because Philadelphia wanted a point guard, which they got a lame one from Washington University, who's now playing for Orlando. Just think if you had a front and because they were afraid to put Ben Simmons uh, Embiid and Tatum together. They didn't think there'd be enough basketballs for them. <laughs> they would probably have three or four championships right now. And Simmons wouldn't be in, in Brooklyn at this time. It's just a bad trade. And they went for, like I said, they they drafted for need rather than talent, which is always a mistake. In every sport, baseball, football, basketball, hockey, when you draft, you draft the best talent, not to fill a need. And Phil Davis never been the same since then. That was part of the process that they messed up. Mm-hmm. And now you got Tatum there who's, who's bloomed into a, he's as close to being a superstar as you can. He still has those games when he can't hit the side of the ball and he gets incredibly frustrated. He still doesn't think he has ever committed a foul at any time, but, but he did 13 assistant. I think 13 assists in that fourth quarter to set it all up. So people were giving a lot of credit for that. So I'm thinking, oh, yeah. you know, I really expect Golden State to win tonight. We're broadcasting this or recording it on Sunday. And I think it's going to go six games with Celtics. I'm sort of flipping the chart. I'm jumping off the bandwagon with the Golden State based on one game. Does that make any sense to you? What am I doing? That, that seems to be a vast overreaction. <laughs> Nobody does that I, in sports. I would, say, I would say you're drinking the flavor aid because technically in Jonestown they drunk flavor aid, they didn't drink Kool Aid. And if you don't know what Jonestown is, do your history, kids. Jim Jim Jones, okay? Yeah. That's your homework assignment for the week. So no, I'm not off. You know, now you still picking wins, Golden State in seven? Or yeah, six? I still think Golden State will win. I think it'll go seven. Yeah, no matter who wins, I think it'll go seven. I I mean that's that's a uh, I mean your 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 champ. They have experience. And I kind of wonder there's still injury situations in there. I'm just, to extent, uh, I'm going to go with Golden State. Again. Well, the best thing you have going for Golden State is that Boston can't remain that hot. That was so unbelievably crazy hot just for one you know, game. And there's no way they can keep that up. How many times have you seen a team hit every three-pointer, hit a very high percentage, and the next game can't hit anything? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like the average is balancing out. I mean, if you average shooting under thirty percent for the season, uh, an anomaly game like that is it, just going to be that you're going to fall back to the, the the average that you shoot. So I think I still think Golden State. I mean, I'm uh, it'd be nice for the Celtics to win. Is always good, helps the ratings. But I think this is about the best matchup they could have got. So are the, are the Zebras being fair from your point of view? I think in this playoffs, I feel like the Zebras have done pretty good. Yeah, they've kind of let the whistles out of your name. I mean, the, the, again, there's more physicality, and that goes to Boston's advantage because they're a much more physical team, whereas Golden State is a finesse team in that respect. So, yeah, I mean, everybody gripes about the officials. All you want is consistency. I mean, that, that, that's it. You want the same call 
in the fourth quarter, what you got in the first quarter. And that's pretty much what you want to see. And you can tell, and this is the le- this is the worst kept secret in all society, that referees call games to keep the stars in a game. I mean, you've really got to commit a brutal sixth foul to foul out. So Curry, of course, is, he's the biggest name. He's going to get the most. You remember you used to be the Jordan rules. I mean, that Jordan would get more calls in his way, it seemed like. Is Tatum the closest thing the Celtics have to Curry as far as calls? Yeah, yeah. I mean, but now both of them have been affected by how this year they're not letting people lean into and throw a shot up, kind of that desperation of getting free throws. I mean, you, you know, the old thing was if a guy was guarding you, you just swing your hands upward mm-hmm. and you get a foul call. They're they're backing off that. But, you know, is, is there a different set of foul calls for Kevin Pritchard on the Celtics? There is Tatum. Yeah, I guarantee it. Yeah. That's because they want the stars in the game. And, again, officials don't want to be perceived, be perceived as having an influence in the game. Sure. And if they call it tight on the stars, they're they're considered to have influence on the game in that respect. All right, let's take it down a dark here's, here's alley. My, well, well, let me tell you my biggest gripe about this series. Okay. If it goes seven games, do you realize this will be 17 days? I know. Game three is not till Thursday. I know. This is when it they stretch take it out. That, this is, it doesn't take four days to go from to San Francisco to Boston. All but right? see, May was ratings month, so they put them really close together. June, they're letting them rest up so no one gets injured, I think. But 17 days? I know, I know, I know. Hockey hockey plays every other day, the entire thing. But by the time, if they're gonna, who's going to be done first, hockey or basketball? Uh, if it goes seven games, it's going to be pretty much a tie. I know, time. I know, end of June. So here's the dark alley I just want to bring up okay. for a second. All right. In the last year and a half, we have gone from betting only being in casinos in um, Vegas or Atlantic City or online to there's sports gambling everywhere. In Michigan, it's legal. Sports gambling's everywhere now. So that huge amount of billions of dollars now being spent legally in Michigan, let alone other places, I'm just wondering at what point are we going to get a referee who goes down that dark alley and helps a side win when there's so much money on it. It's happened before. Years oh, yeah, I was going to say, allegedly, not that long, 15 years ago. I know. So, I mean, uh, I'm just wondering, all this, there's so much money in sports gambling now that human nature, somebody's going to take something for something, I feel like. Well, the, the two excuses that have always been against something like that happening is, A, the players are paid so much that you could not offer them enough to be incentive enough like uh, the Black Sox era of 1990. Uh, the other has been that your your best uh, line of defense has been the, the books in Las Vegas because if they see it an extraordinarily amount of money bet on an underdog, they tend to alert that league because they want it clean also because that's how they make their money. And then the league has time to investigate and see the the influence in that respect. Officials would be, uh, medical personnel would be another group that could really manipulate things in that respect. Uh, and just you know, the guys pushing the official scoring and all that. Uh, there, there's ways of doing it. I mean, it's it would be have to be hard to 
get that many people in motion to do it. I mean, I've been assured by people a lot smarter than me that, that you know, the, the, and the big thing that was before was the Game 7 in the Western Finals between Sacramento, Game 6 and Game 7, Sacramento and the Lakers. This is when Kobe and Shaq were on the lead together, and that particular official, who's such a low life we won't even mention his name, uh, claimed that he was told by the NBA to call a lot of fouls on Sacramento because they wanted L.A. in the finals rather than the Kings. And the, and the Kings have taken this in. You, uh, I'm trying to uh, – Barnes is his name. He has a, 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 a little sports – website that he just rekindles his argument all and all again. Mm. I think it's harder to do than people think that it was done back other years. And again, because you have two governing bodies, you have the league itself and you have the books in Las Vegas. Because the last thing the books in Las Vegas want to do is lose money. And that's when the underdog wins in that respect. So they, they check on that. But the problem is if you, you, you tend to do these micro transactions in gambling, which they're getting into. And supposedly the leeway is to get where you can gamble from your seat in a sporting event, similar to what they do in, in Europe. Like you can bet on, you see the, the transactions on ESPN and it's part of their, their broadcast. Now, so many, uh, particular, uh, how many points will be scored? Who will score the first point? Who, I mean, you've got a, you know, the only reason we have the USFL is it's a gambling league. It's a something for Fox to use to do gambling. There's no, hardly nobody in the stands. All the games are played in two locations in the same town. Gambling is the driving force. They've gotten as much as they can out of television. They, to signal that they can't, with a change in laws and, and, and tax deductions, they can't raise up rates on tickets that much. They can create their own media networks, similar to what the Cubs have done uh, with, uh, with their little network. But, but that's a lot of investment in startup money, whereas hook up with an existing Las Vegas uh, booking group or set up your own gambling, and that's, that's revenue to them. And I don't think they want to lose that by somebody manipulating the system. I so think where are the odds they, that somebody will cheat? <laughs> no. I was, I, they could get away with a game, but I think we're raising enough signals. There are enough forces, and not to mention the 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 U.S. government, because that's fraud. The, the, and that's the reason why that official went to jail. Uh, by that time, and then you're going to get the league. Uh, Las Vegas, and we're talking about we know who operates Las Vegas, and you don't want to make those people mad. No, no, no. And the federal government. So I think there's enough in there. But to manipulate for some of these microtransactions, that could be done pretty easily. Right. I think that's what they do rather than the, again, the gambling has always been shaving. It's not been throwing a game. The, the controversies at uh, New York University in the 50s, Kentucky University in the 50s, Boston University in the 70s, those were all shaving. It wasn't to lose the game because that's too overt. Shaving is 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 where they trend to manipulate money. Yeah. All and right. That's gambling 101 from somebody who's never <laughs> my last bet was in 1966 in third grade, betting that the Minnesota Twins would take the Dodgers to seven games. 
and I won a 32 cent free lunch for a week. Ooh. So that's my gambling history. What was in your free lunch for 32 cents? Now that I can't remember, but my father jumped all over me when I came home and I exclaimed that I won the bet. <laughs> now remember, that was the, the Dodgers of Koufax and Drysdale. Yeah, yeah. The, the Dodgers did win, it went seven games. And I was a big Zolo Varsize fan. He was the MVP of the league from Minnesota at that time. But I was nine years old, so that was the last gambling I've done. There you Sorry. go. Yeah. I have nothing against that. Y'all can, you know, gamble. You know, everybody has, everybody is, again, able to do whatever they want in their yeah. particular life. But that's I know not... enough of sports that that's like guessing yeah. if a grasshopper will jump left or right. Yeah, and we won't get into this, uh, the fantasy football problems of the no, there, California there, Angels these days. Um, let's get. Oh to, yeah, let's get to the I'm NHL. Fam. That was that was a that was was that a Chris Rock being slapped? <laughs> yeah. uh, wow. By uh, Peterson or was that by you know and 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 Peter Jack Peterson is a kind of happy go lucky guy. In that Has respect, anybody had so. a Will Smith sighting in the last month? Or is he just uh, he is supposedly somewhere in the east in India or something like that. His wife came out this week on her little podcast and said, the world needs both these men. Of course, you want your husband to make movies and make you money because your last role was in The Matrix. That's all you're known for is The Matrix movies. But yeah, he'll, we'll forget. We, 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 we're, we're a pretty good. Yeah, he's probably hanging out our, with, um, uh, Mickelson right now, Phil. I mean, they both had a bad PR season. But let's jump now, to the NHL. Well, well, that, that, well, before we get to the NHL, let's hit the golf real fast, like because I heard this week, yeah, that if Dustin Johnson plays in the LIF, which banned is for life, banned for life. Not only him, there's like five other guys. Yeah, lower yeah, Kevin Nah just announced I mean, it. The last time I heard banned for life was Pete Rose. Well, <laughs> so you want to hear the latest on this one? Far away. Latest is that PGA is going to do ban for life and then go into the courts because they, if they did ban for 10 years, maybe that's about the same thing. But to me, this is really stretching free, you know, being a free agent. Like if you can't be part of his club and no other club, it's, it's limiting competition. It's, um, I think it's a bad look for the PGA altogether, but, Justin Johnson got a hundred twenty-five million to go play um, with this eight, new eight tournaments. So, just eight tournaments, right? That's yeah, all. just to play. And then rumors was he was offered eighty-five million back in January, February, and made a statement: "No, I'm sticking all the way with PGA." And they sweeten the deal, sweeten the deal. I also think that Dustin Johnson's on the backside of his career. He hasn't done well in the last couple of years. And I think this was his last big money and then get out. And he's really testing. So they'll take it to court and see if this is like antitrust type of unfair labor uh, rule that you can't let some of your players play somewhere else. The other thing I heard on Tony Kornhauser's show was they're estimating this new Saudi league, even though they have tons of money, will only last maybe two or three years and it won't be a legitimate competitor. I just think PJ is overreacting right now. Well, it, you know, they're all independent contractors, but they can't claim monopoly because you have a East, you have a European tour, you have a South American tour. I mean, it's, they can still play golf in a professional tour. Uh, they just can't play in America. I mean, you're right. The 10 years would probably 
be enough, but it'd be a nasty, nasty suit because I'm sure you bring up stuff that's been. But I sort of get tired of this whole discussion where billionaires are talking about giving money to millionaires and millionaires are fighting over it. And at a certain point, I'm like, oh, I'm tired of that's sport. That's sport. I know hey, it's just so much well, money. And like, it's even college too. If I know that's on my list too. That is sort of discouraging. Um, well, let's go there in college right now. Na- uh, the image NIL whole deal. Right. Just recently, Michigan's number one recruit for 2023 just reopened up his bidding. I guess basically he's at auction now, going around and seeing the second wave of who's willing to give what. Um, and then Saban, of course, said that um, <laughs> that Florida State bought their whole team, and then he later said, "Well, I didn't say anything wrong. They did anything wrong." And Texas A&M. Yeah, Texas A&M. A&M. And then one of the reporters said, "But you said they bought their whole team. I didn't say anything wrong." <laughs> well, you heard what Steve Spurrier said. What did he say? He said he couldn't understand how Texas A&M got coached because what did Saban say that was wrong? What, what did he say that wasn't right? False. In that respect. And then he said Texas A&M coach was feeling a little chesty because he beat Saban, and he knows he has to come to Alabama this year. So that's why he's getting everything. I mean, it was done in the past. Yeah, they were all paid for. We just know about it now. And, I, you know, uh, Isaiah Wong, who was a point guard for Miami basketball team, they, you know, they got to Sweet 16. Yeah, they got to the Sweet 16. And he put himself in the portal and basically said – I'm going to put myself up who will offer me the most NIL money. Now, yeah. Miami is rolling with NIL money, so they just fessed up some more money, and he's back with Miami. Well, they're going to have a pretty Ryan good team. Day for Ohio State just put a number. He's the first coach to say, we need $12 million a year to field our football team. 12 they million. were getting that before. They were getting that. He was the first one to verbally say it publicly. Yeah. But don't you think they were going to the donors in the past and say, I need X next. This is the reason why um, the NCAA, the basketball, the basketball coaches all said it. You know, I need so-and-so. This is why the former Arizona coach and the former LSU coach, Will Wade, was caught on tape by the FBI saying, I need $10 million from Nike to get X player. So it's this is just being out in the open now. It was in the past. It was open. Again, that's, that's free enterprise. That's so you don't think there should be one. any regulation on this? No. Even if my team can't afford it, that's basically that's free enterprise. If coaches can get ten and fifteen million dollar contracts, players should be able to do the same thing. And coaches ignore the contract terms of a contract and leave any time they win without any financial penalty. Players should be able to do the same thing. So shouldn't there be it, two it, championships now? I mean, in a way, that so that you have the people with money and the people who don't have money. I mean, it's like <laughs> I mean, it's it's so ridiculous now. I mean, you have the well, Ivy that League. Would, that would that would give the ones without money a chance to get a championship because they never had it before. Well, that's true. I mean, you know, we do have that. It's called uh, uh, the BCS. It's the I mean the uh, yeah the bowl championship series. What used to call one double A. I mean, Rutgers is not going to win a football championship. I know. It's not going to happen. You know, Minnesota's I'm, not going to win NCAA. I mean, you only have 15 teams have legitimate chances every year. Yeah, I know. I know. It just, we've gone a long ways 
from the ideal I, uh, college thought back when I was a little kid. We've gone so no, far. No, we, well, we've gone a long way with the facade that was presented that was false. I mean, teams have been manipulating and paying money for a player. We just we were naive and we believed in in Jack Armstrong, the old American boy, and the idea that guys go to schools because they just want to represent. No, they those who have pro potential go to places they think will show their skills, and so they can get a pro ticket. And and you know, guys who can manipulate and get paid. And again, it's going to be the first stringers. Your second string punter is not going to get an NIL duty, right? But right. he shouldn't. He, he shouldn't. I mean, right. The top guys are going to get four million a year to play college football. Basically. If there's that much revenue generated to play coach, pay coaches what they're getting paid, and they're not even risking their health, long term or recent, pay the players. So how are the colleges going to? Where's the extra money they need now? Now that it's a wide open competitive market. What are we just talking about with the pro sports? Putting ads on stuff. Gambling. Ads and gambling. They're going to get into the gambling business. The colleges are. Yeah. How do they get into the gambling business? It's already going. Guys are betting on college games already. Colleges are going to come in and go and say, we have the rights to represent our likeness and our team. And if you bet on our team, you must go through our approved gambling system. Ah. This may not be for 10 years, but you're going to see it. They smell revenue. They're, they're seeing a decrease in revenues because of the NIL. Yeah. Revenue that they can't control. Yep. Yeah, yep. they're going to put ads on the helmets, and then they're going to go to the gambling. Yep, yep. I, I'm just depressing you. That's yeah, all I'm it doing. is. It's depressing. I have That's a story okay. at I have a story at the end to make you feel better. So go well, ahead. All right, let's move on to the NHL where real honor is held up and real men yeah. play this Real sport. men, yes. <laughs> um, a former hockey player, so I'll say that. And uh, you, you, you big... watch the picture, the camera go down the, um, the you know, the, gosh, the bench. And, you know, they're all trying to grow beards, right? And some are manly, like Grizzly Adams, you know, thick beards. And I always feel sorry for the dude from Finland who can barely grow anything on his lip and on his side it's like dude man just put put some fake classic. beard on there or something and i saw him uh at one of the uh calgary flames and Av- avalanche game uh, Edmund oilers playoff series was lanny mcdonald who had the most beautiful mustache of all remember lanny McDonald? oh yeah i do red hair well red hair and had this gigantic mustache it was he sending me sam from... buddy oh yes yeah, it was good to see. He like he could lace him up and still play, but uh, it, it looks like Colorado's up three zero. I don't see you know the Oilers being able to fit that off. No. But I think it's a fascinating series with with New York and uh, the Lightning. Lightning won in the last seconds today, so it's still two one. Next home game. Uh, I mean, I just like the heart of the defending champs. But New York has a lot of talent. They have a lot of guys who can score. Uh, they have a MVP type goalie. Uh, would it shock me for New York? And I know if you listen to ESPN and everything, New York is in ESPN. That's where all the they've pretty much moved their whole studios to, to that wharf. I mean, they would love to have a, a New York because they have the finals on ABC. 
a New York, Colorado, which would be a nice series. I'd rather see Tampa Bay because I'd like to see a champion lose in those terms. But it's, I mean, I've enjoyed the hockey, even though my team lost because we got down to our third string goalie. Health is is made a big factor. Uh, Darcy Kumper, who is the starting goaltender for Colorado, is out, and we don't know for how long. So already the Avalanche have been moving along with the second string goalie. But McKinnon is the the superstar. You don't hear about that much. Yeah, he and, he is a great player. I love seeing the offense, but I'm amazed how the Avs have shut down the high power offense, the Oilers. And Mike Smith, the goalie for Oilers, man, he lets some soft goals in. He's yeah, he's forty, he's man, almost as old as you are. How many forty year old goalies are there around? Not too much. Yeah, uh, he looks lit. Yeah, he's he's again. And the first game that series was eight to six. It reminded me of 80s hockey I loved because it was high scoring. And that was Gretzky and that was Yager and that was Messier. I mean, it was just the golden age of hockey to me. And and then they developed the, the left wing obstruction and everything. And basically they dropped three guys and dare you come across the middle of the ice. You couldn't get a dump and chase. So I loved 80 style, Charlie Simmer with the Kings. And that's what that first game was like. I mean, they've settled down since then. But it's 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 been fascinating that the the playoffs in the NHL have been closer than the NBA playoffs. The NBA playoffs were uh kind of blowouts, except for that game seven, Miami and 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 Boston, and to lose in a way in which you score a three-pointer. And five minutes later, the league says, well, he stepped on the line out of bounds. Mm. And it was hard to see that was Tyler Hero. And like it heals up. So they wind up losing by two points. The three-pointer had not been removed. Miami, we don't know, probably would have won. It wasn't Hero. It was that Garnarsh or Garsh or um, other dude with the big beard. Um, Not big beard. Oh, rather... Other white guy. <laughs> yeah, how many white the guys? The other white. I think the Heat it. might lead the league in white guys. Second round white guys who've made the team in that respect. Yeah, I mean, right. they've not first round draft picks have not been that good, but but so it's, what's it's, what's your pick NHL then? You think it's going to be Avs versus who? I think it's. I'm still going with the line. No, There's no, no, no. They look tired. There's no way you can win three years in a row. Your players are just too beat up, man. Man, I just enjoy the chat. I think whoever it is, the Avalanche win. Right, it just over. Go. I mean, there's, there's a, they're a group that have been primed to win for the last three years. They have a great defenseman. I mean, they just they just come at you in waves. And so I think, you know, I still think Golden State, and I still think Colorado Avalanche are going to win. There you go, folks. Now, now can we hit the greatness that happened today? Talk about the greatness today. Okay. You know, we, we, we talk about greatest of all times, Brady and his Super Bowl rings, Yogi Berra with, I think Yogi Berra has 10 Super uh, World Series rings. No, I don't. Yeah. No, I don't. Uh, Yogi Berra. No, I don't. Uh, yeah, Raphael. I mean, I'm, back on third, no, Tuesday, I watched the Jokovic-Nadal match, and that's one of the top five matches. It started like 9 o'clock Paris time and ended at 1.30. Paris time. It was prime time here. 
and he's gotten 14 French Opens titles. Crazy. I mean, that is the most dominant of a single event. I mean, you can say Phelps with the Olympics. You can give all. I mean, there's. I'm sure there's some weightlifter of the Olympics that has more in that respect. But to me, Nadal, and now he's a. He's got 22. Uh, 22. Yeah. He has a chance to do if he health holds out a a Grand Slam in one year. Wimbledon and the uh, uh, U.S. Open is left. Uh, Jokovic is two behind. Federer is three behind. And, you know, the, the argument has always been who is the – and I go back to Sam Smith and, and Newcomb and those guys, and I've followed tennis all these years. And they've interviewed Nadal, and they've kind of said, like, are you the greatest of all time? And what he has said, this is how classy and the sportsman that he is. He says, what the three of us has done collectively will probably never happen in tennis again. He never comes out and says he's the best. He never says he's better than the Jovich or Federer. He just says collectively as a group. And that that's this class. Now, Jovich is a year younger and he might catch him unless his wife comes after him with a golf club as he backs out of his house. <laughs> okay, a golf yeah. reference there. Yes. Uh he will probably catch him. But it's been fascinating. He's got a bad foot, and I just, I've enjoyed the French Open and watching him play. And he, he to me, is the personification of, 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 of good. I mean, you know, uh, Messberger used to always say, you're watching greatness live. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's, that's it with Nadal. I mean, Nadal, I even is, last year when he played um, Jokovic, it was crazy good. And Nadal gives you everything he has every match. And you look at this guy and say, how does he stay this fit, this mentally tough all these years? And I agree. He, I much prefer him as a, a guy I look up to than Jokovic. Uh, Federer is a pretty decent guy too, but he's always silky smooth and it doesn't look like he works as hard, but he probably does. And Nadal has this way with the racket manipulating it to get the ball to spin, to cut, to move, the drop shots. It's just, it, it, again, I've watched tennis for a long time. I've always enjoyed it. It's one of those few sports that at least four times a year you can see it. And I've, I've enjoyed watching him play. I really have. All right, Ernest, let's talk about culture, TV, what you're watching, movies, whatever, and then we'll have one, our final words here. Uh, I've been watching tennis, hockey, baseball, <laughs> football. USFL, Canadian for, football starts. Forget the week. other stuff. It's the prime time for sports. Uh, what have I? What have been watching? Uh, Brave New Worlds, Star Trek, uh, which is pre-Kirk with young Spock, uh, and it's unlike the the the, uh, the CBS, the Paramount uh, Star Trek shows, Picard, uh, all the other shows are story run. You know, the the the, the streaming is based on one uh, theme. Again, one subject. They're chasing somebody. This is kind of like the old show. It's kind of like week by week different. And Anson Mount, who who plays uh, the captain, who later catches on fire, and if you know much about Star Trek, it uh, it's it's enjoyable. And I've watched Obi-Wan. Have you watched Obi-Wan? Yeah, I was going to give a review of Obi-Wan, but go for it. 
Well, you go, and then then I can come back. And All right. The only thing I would say is, for <laughs> those who slavishly belong, stick to the canon of Star Wars, it does manipulate stuff in the past. Yeah, so I'm a huge fan that they've come back and they've filled in gaps of the Star Wars whole deal. Like, I love The Mandalorian. That was fantastic. And the book of Boba Fett was basically Mandalorian Part 3. Um those have been fantastic. So I was really looking forward to Obi-Wan Kenobi um, with Ewan McGregor. And um, I have, I've watched two episodes, and I've been sadly disappointed. I have to tell you, the pace is slow. It's dull. Um, the storytelling seems forced, like trying to give the backgrounds of the two kids of... of um, Darth Vader, basically. Uh, and you keep on waiting for Darth Vader to come out, you know, with the new version of Darth Vader in a way with uh, the guy coming back to play him. I just... Hayden Christian. Yeah, I just... I heard McGregor talk on an interview like, oh, this is a, one we had the same director for all these episodes. I liked her vision of it, da-da-da. I don't. I, I'm not sure I'll watch the rest of it. At least I'm not in any rush right now. So there's a big it's thumbs down fun. for me. He's not the brave Obi-Wan that we see later on. He is scared. He is guilt-ridden. Uh, he thinks that, that, that uh, Darth Vader is dead. He is frightened. Uh, he second-guesses himself. It is a different portrayal, different portrayal than the Obi-Wan that we saw in the first four, if you want to go numerically. Star Wars, and it's it's different to that extent. Uh, I'm trying to see if it kind of helps itself out at the end. You like it so far, though? I'm not saying I like it, but I'm I'm waiting to see it get better. Again, it's a different portrayal. We're used to Obi Wan being this brave and wise person, and he's almost played as as someone who's defeated and has given up. But even the the sections where they show uh, Princess Leia off to the side seemed like a cheap TV show. That was one of the things I liked about The Mandalorian. It felt like a, watching a movie. Every episode felt like a movie. This feels like a cheap sort of um, melodrama. And I'm like, come on. This is not what I was... I don't mind that he's having doubts in that, but just... Uh, anyways, maybe it just hit me in the wrong week. So I, I will say the young girl playing Leia, that girl's going to be a star. <laughs> she's done a good, would you not agree? She's done a great in that role. Yeah. I've seen, uh, Schmitz. What's his name? First name? Come back out of retirement. Uh, Jimmy Schmitz. Jimmy, Jimmy Schmitz. Boy, he can boy, barely he walk. Old. He looks like they need to do some CGI on his face. I think, um, Princess Leia, uh, what's her name? The original one. When they did her CGI, he looked. She looked better than Carrie Jimmy. Fisher. Carrie, Carrie Fisher, Fisher looked better in CGI than Jimmy Smith does in real yeah. life. <laughs> well, let me see. What's he done? Of I know. I Anyways, we're going deep here. Any L.A. Law was forty. Oh wow, was that's really years deep. Ago? Yeah. All right. How your final take here, man? We're getting out okay. Time. This is a nice little story I heard, and it's going to sound self-serving and. But extent, but it's our podcast. Ken, Peace self yeah, That's right. Kenny Smith was on a podcast this week, and I was listening to Kenny Tar Smith. Hill. Tar so, Hill. Yeah, Tar Hill graduate. And he was talking about. He said, "This no one knows this story about Dean Smith, but he told it." Okay, many years ago, 
there was a transfer from Michigan who came to Carolina, Mokhtar Dejai. He played one year at Michigan, transferred over to Carolina. Do you remember him? Barely. In the 90s? Yeah. Okay. When he first came the first year, uh, the assistant coach, uh, Bill Guthridge, was was trying to help him out because he made mistakes, and, and Jai would not look at him in the face. And Guthridge kicked him out of the practice. Man, you won't look in the face and go. So Dean followed the Jai into the the, uh, the hallways and said, son, what's, what's the problem? I want you to look at the coach. And he stammered and he stammered and he said, now listen, you need to be honest with me and tell me everything. And uh, he said, well, you got to realize in Senegal where I was raised, we were told you never look directly in the eyes of authority or elders. That's considered disrespectful. And and Dean said, okay, I understand that. Just be here at practice the next day. Well, he comes to practice the next day, no Bill Guthridge. For a whole week, Bill Guthridge is gone. And, and the giant was kind of worried what had happened. The, the Guthrie's just don't want to coach him anymore. He gets a call from his mother in Senegal and says, there's an old white man who's come over here. He claims he's one of your coaches. And, and he's trying to learn the customs of Senegal so he can coach you better. Dean Smith <laughs> sent one of his assistants to Africa to learn how to better communicate and learn the traditions and customs of one player and not a starter, a backup on his team. Wow. That was the most amazing that he thought that much of a guy who was a transfer, not someone he had recruited, someone he brought in that would not start until his senior year. Now, Najai died this year Mm. of congestive heart failure. He was only, I think he was 48. But Kenny Smith brought back this story because he was on that team at that time. Said so that's how much he thought it was important to be able to learn and know his players. And Bill Guthrie probably of, said, I'll go, but when you retire, I got to be coach. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to where? <laughs> Senegal? But I thought that was truly amazing. And that's, that's again, those are the little things. You, I mean, Dean Smith's been gone over 10 years. And these are the stories that are coming out now. And, and Kenny Smith said he had a lot more. And I, I'm a big Kenny Smith fan, not just because he manipulates uh, Shaq and, and, and Barkley all the time on TNT, which is the best. That is the best sports post-game and pre-game show of any sport is, is what TNT does for basketball. Yeah, it's so much fun. It's unpredictable. And Kenny Smith knows his role, right? He knows he just oh, yeah. sets oh, yeah. the other guys he, up. Yeah. If, well, see, if Barkley gives him a hard time, he just reaches over and shows him those two Houston Rocket championship <laughs> rings he had. That is a way of getting his attention. Yeah. He was fast back then, boy. Oh, he was quick. He uh, broke his arm against LSU. That was uh, Michael Jordan's junior year. Because we all thought they were going to be back-to-back champions, but he broke his arm because you know he had a backcourt of Kenny Smith and Michael Jordan. But uh, now was meant to be, and uh, Michael lost to Indiana in Atlanta in the semifinals. There you go. It all goes That's back why, to Michael Jordan. Every podcast, sooner or later. Oh yeah. Well, it's it's you know supposedly one guy shut him off, and he's got his own podcast these days you you see him doing espn games and i'm not going to mention his name either 
because he is beneath the time of this podcast. There you go. All right, folks, that's it for us. Another episode of Pardon the Confusion. I'm Paul Arnold. He's Ernest Watts. You can email us email me at gobluearnold at gmail.com. Let us know your thoughts, comments. If you want to be on the show, we'll even let you be a guest host. So for Ernest, this is Paul. Have a good night. <laughs>